0: People are trying to hear the zebras. They desperately want the hoofbeats to be zebras, and I'm here to tell you it's a horse, man. Like it's it's absolutely a horse. I, I get it. It's the preseason. You're bored. Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and you can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are we doing? Happy Monday episode. We're recording this on
1: a Sunday. How are you? i'm good a lot of sports things happening in the tennessee world for nashville specifically um titans get their first w since last november so preseason feel, wins
0: or wins sure. <laughs> something's a win yeah. right like
1: i mean gotta feel good about that i guess kind no, of actually, maybe really. um, and then of course uh nashville sc with with the heartbreaking loss what a game though i don't know if you it got was, to, it I did you catch it. any of it I watched basically all of it because um, I was like driving and my um, my YouTube TV like wasn't working like because it was like thinking I was in a different area code. So I couldn't even Uh, watch the like Tennessee Titans game if I wanted to. So I stuck with the uh, Nashville SC last night.
0: I didn't watch the Titans game last night live either. Um, I was catching bits and pieces of it, following it all on Twitter, obviously, and like doing my job that way. But I I had to watch the replay today, which. Um at, at the time of the game last night when it was live, I was glad that I wasn't having to watch it live from what I was hearing, that it was just like kind of peak preseason boredom. Um, and then I was disappointed today when I was like, oh, I have to go back and watch this. I did, and it was it sure was a preseason game. That that was a game. And we're gonna talk all about it today. And there was more to take away from it than uh than just the fact that it was kind of a tough watch and certainly a um a, a peak preseason watch. You got to really be sick in the head to find that entertaining. Luckily, we are. And those of you that are joining us live, you are in for a full episode's worth of breaking down what exactly went on and a lot of Mike Vrabel from today's press conference from Titans headquarters, where I was uh, there to ask him some questions about what he thought about last night's game. And he gave some of his thoughts on some of the players and some of the uh, things that we saw happen last night. First of all, I do want to address the Nashville SC game. And uh, by the way, those of you that are with us live on Sunday, appreciate you being here. Do me a favor. Make sure you're over on the Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. That's where you're going to find this live stream and be able to comment like our guys D-Good and Pretty Boy and Volcano all over there in the chat. Appreciate you guys being with us. If you could also do me a huge favor, huge personal favor, just like, retweet, share, um, repost, whatever you can do to help us amplify this feed right now while we're live. That would be super helpful. So please do that for us. And I would appreciate it if you wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be so kind as to do that. I see that D good in the comments here. says that he has to apologize to you for the month of June. D good. Why? Why? Um, why?
1: Probably because the Mets are closer to a wildcard spot right now than the Yankees are. So, um,
0: the world's lowest bar. I mean, I don't, <laughs> that's, that's,
1: Hey I mean, man, Hey, the Mets have won. And the Mets have won last, um, uh, they've won six of eight. They play a lot of, uh, the, a lot of wildcard teams coming up here, man. Okay. I really don't want them to make the wildcard. Let's, let's it do it. Be, but let's, it'd be really, really funny if they did. It would, it'd be hilarious. And I would, I would the, love if it. If the Mets, if the Mets sweep this, uh, this next series against the Braves, which is, Cause that's maybe, maybe impossible, but if it does happen, maybe. consider for me sure impossible, consider me a believer. I'm buying back in
0: the <laughs> good points out the Yankees have not lost eight in a row. Things are truly horrendous in baseball land up there in New Jersey or not New Jersey, New York. I'm used to making fun of the New York teams in the NFL. Those two teams are actually in New York. So good for them at least. Um, yeah. So the Nashville SC game, a crazy game. An incredible watch. I'm glad that all the people that spent, you know, they had to take out extra mortgages to get tickets to get into the door, got their money's worth. And then some last night, Nashville SC falling to enter Miami. Uh, for those of you that, that don't give a a lick, they just don't care a lick about about uh, the MLS. This was the League's Cup, which many people were confused, I think, that they they thought this was the the MLS final. No, no, my friend. This is a made-up, brand-new, in-season tournament championship title for inter Miami, which of course went from the worst team in the league to now, um, having seven, eight, nine matches in a row and, and winning the first ever leagues cup in season tournament title with the addition of one Lionel Messi, who, um, made last night's game, a big fanfare. And he tried to do it to him. I was afraid that it was going to be like, I was afraid that it was all going to end in a whimper and Messi was going to do to Nashville SC what he has done to pretty much every team that he has faced so far. I think he had like 9 goals and 4 assists through 6 games or something. So like he was the grim reaper knocking on each door and leaving with the blood blood trail. Um, but he did score early against Nashville SC in one of the most video game esque goals that I've ever seen in in MLS play. Uh, very, very peak Lionel Messi goal. And then uh, the, the Nashville SC boys managed to equalize and sent it to PKs. And in, in those PKs, they went to sudden death all the way to the 11th round where the goalies had to come out and try their luck at uh, some penalty kicks and Nashville's goalie for all of the fantastic work that he had done through the League's Cup to get them to that point. Comes up short. His goal, uh, 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 His goal attempt is saved by the, uh, the Inter-Miami goalie and Inter-Miami wins in the 11th round of PKs after a, a 1-1 draw in, in regular time. So crazy, crazy match. Um, I do want to point out, what this is so tangential and chronically online of me, but I, I felt like I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up this horrendous take from one Miss Jenny Chu. Um, I believe she covers the MLS or maybe just soccer on a larger scale for CBS, I believe, but she has this tweet going around the internet and it is being ratioed for very good reason. Nashville fans last night, every time that Lionel Messi would do pretty much anything, walk out of the tunnel, touch the ball on the pitch, attempt a shot, um, sail one over the crossbar when he's got a free kick look, they would boo the living fool out of him, as they should. And she tweets Nashville fans booing when Messi has the ball, you can't boo the best player in the world, y'all. Crying, laughing, crying, laughing emoji. It's just wrong, dot, dot, dot. I, can you, you know, all those years that Tom Brady terrorized the NFL and would come to your stadium and he's dunked on your team for two decades and he's doing it again. You you should, how dare you be mad at? how dare you boo him from the stands. You should be cheering on his greatness and then sending thank you gift baskets to his hotel room. I mean all those years that LeBron terrorized the east it, with Cleveland and Miami. All those fans should never have been booing him. They should have been recognizing him for the greatness that he was. They should have been thanking him, crying and weeping at his feet, kissing the ring. How ridiculous is this take JT? This is insanity. It's, it's,
1: it's pretty it's pretty ridiculous, but it like goes to show just like how different of a world like soccer is. And, like, f- to that extent, like, football as I well. guess, like, but I've
0: seen a lot of soccer diehards online roasting her like no other.
1: I mean, I get where she's coming from, but she's still just, like, absolutely incorrect about this. So, like. Yeah, no, she is. She is. Yes. Completely
0: incorrect. Um Danilo, in the comments, this is. Hand up. Clearly, I don't follow the MLS all anything more than casually. Apparently, this is I guess I get it mixed up. The NBA is about to start a brand new in-season tournament. That's probably what I'm mixing it up with. This still I made up like they did make it up in 2019. It's just a it's like it's not a you know, it's a it's a trophy, but you know, is it what is it really cool? Like back to the regular season next week. So it's enjoy well, it, 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 I guess. Kind of
1: encapsulates like all of the North American teams. So it's like one step outside of like MLS, sure. I guess. But like, yeah, technically, it's like, like- somewhere between
0: Concacaf and the MLS like kind of
1: like regional, if the like if the sort of... like if the NBA tournament in season tournament like allowed like the top the AP top five of colleges at that time like <laughs> to come <laughs> yeah, play right, with them right. as well like it's the
0: opposite though because it sounds like a lot of the teams that like Nashville SC like uh Club America and and yes, Monterey like reversed, were like, like a lot the better hardest teams they play all year long yeah, um, so yeah, but the premise weird like- situation, weird situation, but but riveting watch nonetheless. As a sports fan, can absolutely appreciate what that tournament did for the sport, and uh, a bummer of a loss. But it, like, really, you can't hang your head too low from that one. You're you're really the first, if I'm not mistaken. You know, maybe Danilo can can correct me again in the comments, but I'm pretty sure Nashville SC can say they're the first team that Messi has played in the MLS where Messi they didn't allow Messi to single handedly beat them. Like, they got beat, but not by Messi. They they lost, in the end, in a really, I mean, frankly, a strange situation. Your, your goalie having to take a penalty kick. Like, that's, when you get to that point, it's kind of a, it's very much a coin toss at that point. They could have won that game pretty easily, and they just came up short. So, um, a frustrating situation for them. But, really exciting for the city of Nashville to have such an incredible event. Let's talk about the Titans now. We've successfully gone about 10 minutes into today's show and not even discussed the Titans and their priests a game last night, but frankly, that is reflective of the end. Danilo says he would agree with that. The defense did a great job. Yes. So I'm, I'm glad that I'm not completely speaking out of my depth on, on that front. Let's talk about the Titans though. Um, they, they played their second preseason game last night against the Vikings up in Minneapolis. They won 24 to 16, I believe. Is that, well, that was the final score, right? Correct. Um, yes. I, I get it mixed up because they lost their first game 23 to 17, right? Yes. Um, so very similar scores, but this time the Titans do come out on top in a, a win that means absolutely nothing. But what does mean something is what we saw from certain players on the field. And before we get to a full recap of that game, JT – Let me dive into the warm-up for today's show. And here is the warm-up today. I have to address these these Malik Willis, Will Levis conspiracy theories that are starting to fester online that are both ridiculous and peak preseason reaching. It's desperate boredom time in the preseason, and it's showing from titans fans that are taking this and for those that maybe have been not paying attention at all in the last uh four or five days to the titans on thursday's joint practice against the vikings rookie quarterback will levis leaves the last 20-ish minutes i believe of practice goes down with an injury of sorts that is very much in we're in the dark on this we don't know we know it's a lower body injury of some sort the initial inclination from most was like, well, maybe it's that foot that he dealt with in college last year, but then he, he wasn't wearing a boot and he was running around in the warmups before the preseason game. Maybe it's his, uh maybe it's his uh calf. Cause he's got a, a wrap on his calf before the game. But then uh, folks point out, I think pretty boy Lipschitz points out on Twitter that he's been wearing that a lot of camp doesn't necessarily rule out that it could be a calf. And maybe it's something that he's been dealing with throughout camp, hence the rap. And he just aggravated it. But, but, that's not new necessarily last night so we don't know for sure that's what it is we don't know what he's dealing with i'd imagine it's probably a soft tissue injury of some sort that he that he just tweaked that he just pulled a little bit a small strain of sorts certainly nothing that the coaching staff is too worried about if they're letting him go out there and warm up and and run warm ups like you know physically run around on the field before the game throw throw uh practice balls to to the receivers in the warm ups like doing pretty much everything you'd see from a regular quarterback that's going to play, but then he doesn't play. Sounds like they held him out just as a precautionary. You got to be careful with injuries in the preseason guys will not play for much, much smaller, more insignificant reasons than, than in the regular season. Like you hear guys and I'm not saying this is the case. Like we don't know what the news is on guys like here's Jackson and Kyle Phillips yet, but you have to take those kind of injuries with a grain of salt, right? Because In the regular season, those knee injuries where they both go out and you're like, oh no, a knee, they get, you know, you hear they get carted off on Twitter or wherever, and you're you're terrified, you're you're fearing the worst. But then they're both listed as questionable. Like, there's a very good chance they both were just taken out of the game as a preseason precautionary maneuver to to just get them to the regular season, right? Like maybe they tweaked something in their knee where you're like, they could wrap that bad boy up, put a brace on, get back out there. We, we just don't know. So in preseason injuries, the severity is very much, it's kind of a funhouse mirror um, in the preseason. You don't quite know what you're looking at, and things can be distorted uh, based on what we expect from the regular season. But all of that being said, the, the conspiracy theory making, the tinfoil hat wearing that was going on with Will Levis, because his injury that was keeping him from playing, according to the coaching staff, visually appeared to not be a big deal in the lead up to the game. We, we didn't get a clear answer at the time of the practice. We didn't get any video evidence of him having some sort of injury out there on the field at practice. And then again, before the game, we didn't see any reason to believe he was hurting. There were a number of folks online JT that were insinuating or flat out saying that they thought he was being held out for a couple different reasons. I saw at least one person say that they thought he was being held out, like being benched because he's the clear quarterback three. And they just, they're, Punishing him, or they don't think he's ready. He doesn't have command of the offense, and so they're giving Malik all the reps because Will Levis is not ready. I saw some others saying that this is all a part of a the the Titans' coaching staff and front office's ruse to pump up the stock of Malik Willis. We got to get this guy's stock in the eyes of the rest of the league as high as possible in the preseason because as soon as the season begins, Will Levis is our guy as quarterback too, and we're going to look to sell Malik Willis. This is all this is all an attempt to make him as valuable an asset as humanly possible so that we can ship him on out of here. Once the season begins, both of these ideas are complete and utter malarkey. They're nonsense. It's, it's ridiculousness. And let me tell you why those are two reasons to explain away the idea that that for one of those two reasons, one reason or or another, the Titans coaching staff is choosing actively without a great reason other than their own agenda to take away incredibly valuable reps in the second ever preseason game for their, their second round pick who they traded up for to get in this past year's draft. They are actively keeping him from getting those incredibly valuable reps because conspiratorial reasons. Not not because maybe they're trying to protect the player from himself and they feel like his injury is one that he needs a couple of days of rest. We need him, you know, we would like to have him available during the regular season, and soft tissue injuries tend to linger. They tend to nag when you go on and on and on and don't address them. That's way too, way too reasonable an explanation. Far, far too rational, far too um, normal, That is a, I don't know if everyone has ever watched like medical dramas you hear um, commonly in, in medical TV shows. And then I, from what I hear in actual law practice or medical practices, rather, when you hear hoof beats, think horses, not zebras, right? Which basically means go with the most likely explanation, right? Keep it simple when you're trying to explain away something that you're not sure about. People are trying to hear the zebras. They desperately want the hoofbeats to be zebras. And I'm here to tell you it's a horse, man. Like it's it's absolutely a horse. I, I get it. It's the preseason. You're bored, but you gotta take the tinfoil hat off. Malik Willis, here are the two, let's get into these two, these two uh theories, by the way. The first one that Malik Willis's stock is being artificially pumped up by the coaching staff. First of all, clearly that didn't work last night. We're gonna get into that more, but like if that's the case, <laughs> mission failed. We'll get them next time. Um, that that is a situation where, one, I don't think playing him more is going to, in any circumstance, continue to boost his stock enough to make him a really tasty asset to other teams. And even if it did, who like a trade requires two to tango, JT, and people often forget this. Who out there in the league is trading anything for a clearly backup quarterback Malik Willis in season out of desperation? what what and, and if so what what are you getting best case a, a sixth round pick a, a fifth round pick who who is in desperate need of a project young raw backup quarterback so much so that they're willing to trade for one in week 4 of the NFL season like that's not going to be a thing they may very well choose to trade him down the road but it's not happening this season it's absolutely not happening this season he's going to be on the roster By the way, Mike Herndon, who we love on this show, and I I know Mike personally, he's a friend of mine. He's still saying crazy things online. He said that he's not 100% sure Malik Willis is making this roster. I saw him say that today online. What are you you talking about, Mike? He's for sure making the roster. You're crazy. Um, He said there's a 90% chance that that, that, uh, there's a chance they still cut him. No, there's not. No, no, there plainly is not. The, the, The future of this team's quarterback room is between Malik Willis and Will Levis, two very young, very raw very promising in terms of their traits and and physical abilities, players that this team wants to have compete behind the scenes for the next like 17, 15 months, however long it is until I'm dumb. 12 months. I I forgot we're already almost to the season here. I'm trying to do off-season math. Uh, The next 12 calendar months, they'd like to see these two guys compete for the, the, the job next year. Then they'd probably be interested in potentially trading one if one is worth something. But that's not happening anytime soon, man. It's not. So that's ridiculous. And then this other theory that, that Will Levis is not – he's just – he's being punished or he's just – he doesn't have it to – first of all, why, why would they go from one week ago – you're know, like, yeah, he's got – you know what? He's so in control of this offense and we have so much trust in him that we want to see him play half the game. To then a week later, with with no, no evidence from practice, this guy – oh, he's really having a tough time out there. No, it's just kind of same old Will Levis, like – Pretty average, not a huge, um, impressive guy out there, but not making a million mistakes either. Like he's just, he's still a rookie going through the motions. Suddenly they're like, you know, this guy doesn't have it. He's out. We're done. Pull the plug. He's not playing in the preseason. It's craziness. So I've rambled on this for probably seven minutes too long, but I find it so ridiculous that I wanted to cover every angle and shut all of this down. It's stupid. It's dumb. They sat him because he's hurt. Any Anything beyond that is narrative building, on your end and you are bored and it is the preseason and just like stop go home to your wife like it just relax okay so that is that is a warm up for today and let's get into some actual substantive important discussion from the preseason week to JT before we dive into it anything that I've missed during my rambling in the comments that we need to address
1: um not that we won't get into here i think we can start okay. off just like talking by points kenneth did just point clear. out that uh to kind of retort against those heinous claims that uh it's hilarious that i think will levis gained ground on <laughs> qb2 simply by not playing um yes true, and then kenneth. also to put a bow on our early show shenanigans um Pretty boy lipshit said tier tar was more dominant last night than Messi. So um, we can get into that now.
0: Yes, this is, this is something we can dive into. Um, Let's start with some general coaching points from last night. And this is the first clip from today's Mike Vrabel press conference that I wanted to play. Um, He was asked what he thought overall after having a chance to watch the coaching tape last night and this morning about the game, what his general takeaways were. And here's what he had to say in our first clip, JT.
2: Um, You know, I thought we covered kicks well in the second half. I thought we had three tackles inside the 20. I thought some young guys showed up uh, in that regard. I didn't like – you know, I thought the ball security was probably better from our our running backs. Uh, There was some big emphasis throughout the week. um, You know, I like the fact that we got – had seven pass uh, breakups, seven PBUs. Um, you know, I like the fact that we finished with the football in our hands in a, in a four-minute drive. You know, I think we have to to execute um, a, as a whole You know, our, our, our ability to throw the football and the ability to catch it and the ability to be in the right spots and protect and all those things. So we'll keep working on that.
0: And with that, JT, let's go player by player, and we'll talk a little bit about what he had to say.
1: Yeah, first of all, the the player last night that kind of broke out onto the scene, that we, we've we been saying he's coming, and you guys just want to write him off and continue to write him off, TyJay Spears.
0: TyJay Spears, he rocks still, and it's, I <laughs> say breaks onto the scene because we talked about this last week. He's been good in both preseason games, but yesterday he showed, I think, more of that explosiveness, more of that juice, more of that burst He came away, his stat line looked like seven carries for 57 yards, 8.1 yards per carry on average with that 33-yard long when he broke away, leaping over, I think, Lewis Seen in the the Vikings secondary to get pay dirt, gets the touchdown.
1: Um, Did he score last week? Was that his first technical? That was his first touchdown, yes.
0: Okay, yeah, so are we sure? Did he score on that first drive?
1: No, that was Malik who ran it in on the that first was Malik. you right. Week. Okay,
0: okay, yeah. So first touchdown, good for him. But yeah, the dude absolutely rocks. He he is. I'm willing to say already that he is the best sidekick Derrick Henry has ever had by a country mile. He's just got so much juice. He's kind of like what the Titans were hoping Darrington Evans could be for Derrick Henry a couple of years ago when he was drafted out of Appalachian State. Well, obviously, he's been a, a journeyman throughout the NFL at this point because he he's one of he's one of the most injury stricken players. Um, that I can think of, frankly, he's just really cannot stay healthy for any stretch of time. But I, I think that, that even Darrington at his best at his healthiest, wasn't quite what Ty is capable of. I think the juice is ridiculous. He hit a top speed of 20.1 miles per hour on that 33 yard touchdown run, which is flying. He looked super, super good. Really have nothing else to say about him, but The other running back last night um, that the Titans played also looked pretty good, JT. It was a night of running for the Titans.
1: It was, and TyJ Spears was outdone by this running back who hit a 21.6 miles per hour on his long run, being Julius Chestnut.
0: Yeah, Julius is uh, a guy that I think we can firmly say now is... The Titans running back three, for, whether he's three or four, however many I think the Titans at this point, if I had to do the 53 man today and I'm going to have an article come out with my my updated 53 man roster this week. So look out for that on Um, I, I would say they keep three running backs. I think we said that last week when we did our first projection, but whether they keep three or they keep four, he is going to make this roster. There's no way he doesn't. I believe Mike Herndon by speaking of Mike, who we already we dumped on him once. Let me let me pump him up. He found a stat earlier today. I think this is off the top of my head, so I may have it slightly wrong, but I think that 21.6 miles per hour would have been the fifth fastest time of any running back last season. And that's from a 5'11", 226-ish pound running back in Julius Chestnut. I, I just see no way that they do not keep this man on their roster, and I really see no way that he's passed up by any of the other guys on the depth chart, we talked earlier on in the preseason about how he and Jonathan Ward were kind of battling. Unfortunately, Ward has kind of fallen off the face, the face of the planet since that first preseason game because of his injury, and uh, that's a real bummer and not his fault at all. But that's just the the way that things work. And Chestnut is making the most of his opportunity. He also showed up on special teams, which I think is one of those things that we have continued to preach, JT. It matters so, 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 so much this time of year. That is what coaches are looking for when they're trying to decide those back end of the roster guys, an easy tiebreaker, probably the number one tiebreaker when you're trying to choose between this guy, we keep or maybe this guy. Okay. Who's going to be a bigger impact in special team duties. And absolutely the case with Julius chestnut this year is that he has stepped up his game. Um, I, I talked to him probably three weeks ago at this point now, like, what what's the number one thing that you have upped um, in terms of your game this offseason? What have you been focusing on? And his initial response was, "I've just been working really hard to up my ability as a special teamer. I want I want to be able to prove to this team that I'm valuable both on offense, offense and on special teams." And here's our second clip from Mike Vrabel's press conference today, talking about just how much Chestnut showed up on special teams last night in Minnesota.
2: Yeah, I think Julius showed up on special teams. I think you know, just seeing those things sometimes, if he's the backside on the first kickoff, you know, making sure that he trims the fat and squeezes and, but. I don't think Julius is, is doing anything to, to hurt himself and, and certainly you know, made him a captain yesterday for a reason, you know, embodies what we believe in and you know had the drop in practice, had the drop early in the game, but made a heck of a catch down there in the end zone. So those are all things that we we try to look at and and appreciate.
0: A couple of comments here from Pretty Boy saying that that um, Taijay, I think he was talking about Taijay as the best running back rookie uh, so far this preseason. Yeah, I would agree, but I, I'd say that these two may be the best running back tandem we've seen in the preseason. Which again, that's such a weird like qual. That's a weird title. That is a a league's cup um, in terms of like congrats on your trophy. I'm not sure it means anything, but fair. They've looked very very good. And, and Ted. Tennyson in the comments. If we keep Haskins, it will be special teams only. Yes, totally. I would say that we can, we've been predicting the demise of Haskins ever since the legal situation came down the pike. And and that has certainly complicated his chances. But frankly, at this point, JT, I'm not sure legal situation or not. He'd be making the team. His, his stock has fallen precipitously for the past three, four weeks now, like a full month worth of Hassan Haskins falling in the perceived pecking order. And at this point, his pass blocking uh, acumen and special team skills that were buoying him as a candidate to make this team, guys are are kind of showing that they don't need, like. He's not the only guy that can do those things, right? You're seeing that special teams acumen from Chestnut. You're seeing that pass blocking acumen from Taijay and from from Julius. Like, I don't think that they have any excuse legal or non-legal to justify keeping him on this roster at this point. So I think that his grave is officially dug. Um, he's not been healthy. We didn't see him play. We've not seen him since that first preseason game. He and Jonathan Ward, both we've not seen at practice. We've not seen in the, the second preseason game. So it's a weird situation. Not sure. exactly. They don't tell us what the injury situation is, but whether he gets healthy or not. I just don't see him making this team.
1: Yeah, we can move on now to Malik Willis, who, outside of a few plays last night that we'll we'll get into later, um, was the quarterback for the for the Tennessee Titans uh last night. Um let's talk about him because he had a up and down game last night.
0: He did. Um, I don't want to go on and on like micro analyzing everything that Malik Willis did. I feel like it's pretty self explanatory that anybody watched. Um he just he didn't seize his opportunity to the fullest last night he you could argue that he had a chance to really not put a nail in the the Will Levis quarterback to coffin necessarily because as we talked about with our buddy Nick Suss a couple weeks ago i still kind of maintain i think we're going to go into the season and they're going to be quarterback 2a 2b 3a 3b like i don't think it's going to matter to the coaching staff who the backup is if and until we get One of them, God forbid, having to come into the game in relief of Ryan Tannehill if he were to go down. So I I won't be shocked if we don't like our perception is all we have to go based off of for who is the the uh, quarterback two and who is the quarterback three. But he was fine last night. Like I would he was below average, certainly not as good as he looked in his first game. He looked more like 2022 Malik Willis than what we'd seen from him so far this year, and and the improvement there still was improvement. It was not horrible. I think that people are kind of overdoing it. Um, a lot of what I saw last night in not watching it, just following it on Twitter, and then watching it, like I don't, I feel like there's a disconnect there. I was kind of expecting it to look a lot worse than it did. He like he was fine. He was inaccurate uh, uh, too often. He was bailing from clean pockets too often. Although he as a runner, he looked fantastic. I think he had. Um, something like eight carries for 90 yards. Um, he, yeah, 11, 11 carries for 91 yards, 8.3 yards per carry. So like the, the athleticism was on full display last night and that element of his game is totally praiseworthy, looked very good, but then as a passer, 10 for 17, 85 yards, five yards per attempt average with a touchdown and interception, took two sacks, a passer rating of 67, very average and certainly not a guy that you're like, oh, you know, maybe a starter in the future. Like that game didn't really reflect that. And so I think that as Kenneth said earlier, the quarterback two race, at least in our minds, is still very much up in the air. Will Levis is not out of it by any means because Malik Willis didn't go and take that mantle. Let's hear from Mike Vrabel on what his thoughts were about his young quarterback's performance
2: in preseason week two. I mean, I saw him you know, play fast, and when he when he you know, felt like the pocket wasn't there, um, and we still need to stop switching the football, which we, we've told him, and we'll, you know, continue to rep. And I think maybe for quarterbacks that don't scramble as much in practice or aren't going to get hit in practice, I'm just trying to think about how how we rep that a guy taking off and having the ball in his right hand and then running and Know, trying to keep him from from switching it and Malik knows that like that's this is not a secret, but played played fast you know when he took off it was decisive. Um, you know continue improving with the uh, the timing of things and, and making sure that he's going through his progression so that his timing is there. you know I'm sure he'd like to have the one back from from Nick Westbrook. You know probably just pulled the string on a little bit, but also you know had some balls that again, you know, Chig knows he needs to come down with, um, and then just the coordination of the interception of you know, making a great decision. You know, if if we need that ball thrown in the alley, then you know, if the receivers, for whatever reason, not in the alley. You know, not forcing it in there and knowing it's cover two, and just finding a a place to to get rid of the football so that we're not putting it in harm's way.
0: Let's talk about some numbers from Malik's performance last night. Um, we saw his average time to throw increase in week two which is something that we're continuing to harp on with him since he joined the Tennessee Titans and we've seen him in the NFL in in week one it was not good and then we were kind of hoping I was hoping that we would see him continue to try to step it down step it down and and last night um, he went in the wrong direction through two games in this preseason so far he is at a five excuse me a 3.58 second average time to throw which is the slowest out of the preseason quarterbacks with a 30 drop back minimum. These numbers compiled, by the way, our buddy Zach Lyons, appreciate him putting this on uh, on X on, on Twitter. But um, in terms of pressure responsibility, um, Jalen Duncan continues to be an absolute adventure of a roller co- coaster of a, a pass protector. Uh, he allowed three quarterback curries. He's got some reps on tape where you're like, yeah, that there it is. And then some you're like, oh, God, there it is. Yikes. Um, it's very up and down with him. You got Chris Hubbard responsible for one, Peter Skaronsky, Andrew Rubchich, Daniel Brunskill, all responsible for one. And the only sack of the night was um, on Levin. I think ESPN actually had him down for two sacks, so I don't know. Maybe there's some some, uh, incongruent numbers there. But if you took away the sacks and the scrambles from Levis last night in terms of time to throw, and just counted the ones where he attempted a pass in week one last week against Chicago— um, he was the seventh slowest quarterback in that week with a 2.92 second average to throw in week two last night. He was the third slowest with a three second flat time to throw. And in weeks one and two combined a 2.95 second to throw average, which is the dead last slowest of any quarterback so far in the preseason with minimum 30 dropbacks for comparison Will Levis, again, a guy who is certainly not out of this race, and you could point to this one stat alone to be like, here's maybe why. Through, uh, well, not through two weeks, he didn't play last night. But in week one, he had uh, a minimum of 15 dropbacks. So he qualifies as the 14th fastest quarterback that week with a 2.56 second average time to throw. So like four tenths of a second faster than Willis has averaged so far. He just continues to sit back there for far too long his decision-making is too slow. His ability to go from read to read is too slow. And he just, he, he sits and pat, pat, pats the ball and takes too long. Simply won't work in the NFL. No matter how much better he gets fundamentally as a quarterback, it's not going to matter unless he gets faster, unless he gets much, much faster. Um, and so that's that's a situation where we're going to continue to monitor it, monitor it, and it's fine, in my opinion, because again, he's not being asked to be a starter anytime soon. So he's just going to need to continue to progress. And I'm sure that's one a on the list of things for his coaches to work on with him is got to keep getting faster with these dropbacks, but he had an all right night. I I wouldn't say it was horrible. I would certainly not say it's good. I'd say it was a below average showing for a guy that could have done a lot better.
1: Yeah. And then as you touched on the offensive line, let's talk about, let's talk about them, the first team and, who do you think is coming out on top right now in the race to start at right tackle?
0: Yeah, let's talk about the offensive line real quick. I want to talk uh, about Logan's question here. He asks, "Do you think playing with the 3s, the third team, um forces longer time to throw from Malik Willis due to the wide receiver's inability to separate?" There there's some element to that, but again, when you're playing with the 3s wide receivers, they're often facing the 3s defensive backs. And so like it should sort of balance itself out in that way. It certainly doesn't always work that way, but you're not seeing a dramatic, like when you chart the time to throw, it's not like he's going NFL fast to begin the game with the ones and the twos. And then it falls off as the game goes. Like it's consistently too slow. So it's, it's, it's tough for him. Like there's not really, there's no justification. I don't think there's no way to really um, make it look better than it is. He's just taking too long. Now the offensive line, um, not a ton to talk about here. Just two things. The, the first team did get in there for a couple of series. I think two or three, they, they, they went three and out to start the game. And that was not enough for Mike Vrabel. He wanted to see some more. And so he puts them in there for a little bit longer. It took some time to settle in, but that was another one of those things where people were talking last night, like, Oh no, the Titans are going to suck this year because the offensive line is a, it is a disaster. Look at the, how bad they are. And then I watched and it's like, yeah, they, and Mike Ribble, he reciprocated this this sentiment today in his press conference. Like, yes, they were great to start, but that's just some days it's going to be like that. And they got they they were slow to begin, but then they got up to speed, and I felt like they were fine by the time they finished their timeout there the last night. So I, I don't think that was a bad performance at all. I thought they were perfectly serviceable by the end of, of their two or three series. Justin Murray new offensive lineman for the Titans. They brought in in that flurry of signings back uh, a couple weeks ago when Jamarco Jones was let go and they brought in Chris Hubbard. They brought him uh, Zach Johnson. They brought in uh, Justin Murray. He's a guy that we saw at right tackle last night for a good bit of the game. And people are kind of excited about him. I know like Zach Lyons and Mike Herndon and, um, and some others that I saw um, uh, uh, Graver, Justin Graver I think is, is it shares the sentiment. He should be getting at the very least a chance to compete for that starting right tackle job. He played exclusively at guard his first week here in, in that first preseason game which was kind of weird. Um but then last night he was at tackle and, and he has not allowed at, at either position in the preseason game so far. He's not allowed a single pressure yet. He I mean, may maybe the only player with like substantial snaps out there to have done that. Like he he has been really solid in pass protection. Now, what I'm gathering from from the coaching staff and, and he was uh, asked Mike Frable was asked about Justin Murray today at his press conference. You can kind of tell that they're they're not as impressed by him because he leaves a good bit to be desired in the run game, which still is number one for this Titans coaching staff. Um, that's what they care most about, I think. But as a path protector, he's he's really impressed folks. and I think for for good reason, people are asking, why is he not getting more competition at the very least with Chris Hubbard for that first team right tackle job? Um, I, I'm on that train. I think that he absolutely should be given that chance to compete, and the Titans should um, be doing everything in their power to find the best possible situation, leave no stone unturned for their right tackle spot for the first six weeks. They really have no choice, and I think it'd be it foolish and arrogant and lazy not to give him a fair shake.
1: Yeah, let's move to the tight end position, which some good and some bad last night. And one, one kind of, are you concerned about Shig? I'll just, I'll just throw it out there right now. Like I was gonna try to <laughs> no, beat around not the not even a little bit. No, nope. um,
0: no, nope, I'm not. That's like I just we needed to bring it up because he did have two drops last night to start the game. I, not even a little bit. Am I concerned about? Like I pretend I do not see it. I, I pretend I do not see it. It's the preseason. It's not real. It's all. It's all in your imagination. It's an illusion. It's fake. It was never there to begin with. We made it up. It's a fabrication. Okay? Like, it, it, it's, we we know what he, his, I'm going to choose to go with the sample size of his entire career up until last night, both on the practice field, in preseason games, and in actual football games last year, which I would lean on most heavily. Over one night in Minnesota in the preseason with Malik Willis throwing to him where he's got butterfingers just like, was it good? No, absolutely not. He has to bring those balls in, and Mike Vrabel said as much today, but. It's one of those things where, it's not it's not reflective of who he is. We I'm not I'm not questioning whether I truly comprehend what Malik or what what Ch- Chigakonko is because of two drops. No, like again, it's relax, everybody, deep breaths. Chigakonko is still a very good football player. Um, unless you want to tell all your friends he sucks because of those two drops, because you want to draft him in a fantasy, knock yourself out. Otherwise, he's fine.
1: Yeah, and then we can move on to the tight end last night who really shined, uh, Thomas Otakoya, who Ted yes. Penningson says Otakoya was a beast last night, yeah, and Pretty Boy Lipshit says Thomas Otakoya is going to end up starting alongside pretty boy. Like, I, Watch. Pretty Boy, I
0: love you. I love you, truly. I appreciate everything that you do to support our content, but you are constantly taking everything a step too far. You've got to relax, bro. Like, just chill. <laughs> Thomas is going to make the roster, for sure. Is he going to start? maybe like maybe by the end of the year, but not yet. So let's just hang on. Okay. He has not had any track record in the NFL so far. Okay. You know who has, uh, Trayvon Wesco. Like the reason he was brought in and paid a significant sum of money for a player of his caliber is because he has been in the NFL already. This glorified alignment of a tight end that you're wanting to have in your system for 12 and 22 personnel. So, He's gonna be the starter, like that's for sure. But is he gonna get some significant playing time? Thomas Otakoya at this rate would not rule it out because he has been a freaking monster as a blocker. Like he has again, like I, I let me go back to positive here because I Lipschitz forces me. You go too far, you force me to be negative and rein you back in. So ignore what he said, everybody. Here's what I'm here to say. He's very, very good. He's he's a player that has made significant strides as an international player. And as to be fair, like, yes. Pretty Boy Lipshit says in the comments Vrabel loves him. Yes, he does. He was one of Mike Frabel's season, um award winners. Uh, and for good reason, I think, because he has clearly demonstrated. I mean, this is a guy who was an, an international player last year. He was the international designation player for the Titans. He was kept on the roster in that special designation all year long. And when he first came in at practice uh training camp, JT, he it was it was incredibly raw. It was, it was like woof. That's tough. That's rough. Um, he looks very much more polished today as, as a receiver. He is fine. Very like Jeff Swaim level, pro- but actually probably can catch much better because Jeff Swaim didn't ha- had clubs for hands, I guess. I don't know. He, he's fine as a receiver. Like he, he will catch a ball and probably not have a lot of yak opportunities, but um, move the chains at the very least. But as a blocker, as, as a run blocker in particular, but as a pass blocker as well, which he demonstrated both of those last night as a run blocker, a number of the Titans big runs last night. He was the one laying the one-on-one key solo block down that was giving the running back an opportunity to, to get a significant gain in yardage. Like he's done this for two weeks in a row. Now he's continued to do it in practice. He's continued to get more opportunities with higher um, level teams up and up the roster. Like he's going to make this roster. He for sure is making this roster. And I, I, I think um, well, I'll get to this in a minute. First, let's hear from Mike Frable. I, I asked him today what he's seen from Thomas, Thomas Otakoya through his first two preseason games. And here's
2: what Mike Frable had to say on Thomas. At the point of attack, I think he, uh, you know, was similar to, to Wesco, I think mean, he's a big bodied guy that can, can go out there and try to neutralize some of those edge defenders. And, you know, had some, just some really nice blocks on the outside, you know, had one that probably needs to be better. Uh, down there on the goal line, you know, blocking down and the guy crosses his face. But, you know, Thomas is you know, going to keep working and he'll show back up tomorrow and, and be ready to go. And because Thomas is making this roster,
0: I believe that the roster at the tight end position is kind of set at this point. Uh, maybe the only thing in question is the number of guys. I think that it's going to be four. Could it be five? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. And I think. Um, but the player I'm about to mention did a good job last night. Just he, in my opinion, he was outshined, by what we saw from Oda but I think the guy that I was really high on early on in preseason. And I still, I still am as a potential future guy, but right now I just think it's not working in his favor. Alizé Mack, who as a pass catcher, he's kind of that hybrid or like you, you've got Chig, you've got Josh Wiley as your pass catching tight ends, right? They're not offering a ton in the blocking department, but as pass catchers they they offer a lot. In the blocking department, you've got Trevon Wesco and you've got Thomas Adekoya. And then that kind of hybrid guy is a Mac where he is a bigger body and is capable of blocking better than the, than the pass catching guys, but he's also a significantly better pass catcher than the blocking guys. He's there squarely in the middle. He's your flex, he's, he's your hybrid guy. That being said, I right now I think he's on the outside looking in, which is a bummer. Um but his injury uh setbacks the past couple of days, past couple of weeks have kind of taken him out of the picture. Last night we saw him more than we'd seen him in a couple of, a couple of days. So that was good. And if he continues to trend up, maybe they end up keeping five. They can't justify letting any of them go. But um, I do kind of think that Otakoya and Wesco, people are like, there's redundancy there. Like get a guy like Matt. I've seen people talk about this. Get a guy like Matt who who offers like a, you know, he's got, you've got your fastball, you've got your, change up or you have got your you've got your uh splitter get a change up in in uh alizé Mac. Yeah, I get that logic, but I think this team wants redundancy in their tight end room. They're going to run a lot of 12, a lot of 22 personnel. They're going to have two tight ends uh on the field in their sets very very often, and I think they're going to want to go heavy with their two blessed blessed best blocking tight ends in otakoya and Wesco a good bit. So, like I think they want both of those guys on the roster. And then with with the, the receiving guys, like Chig obviously is going nowhere. He's your best tight end. And then Wiley, you, you spent your fourth, fourth, fifth, I forget, fourth round pick, right? Hello, JT? He was a fifth round pick. Fifth round pick, thank you. Yes. Um, so he's Sorry, I thought
1: you were like, just like, Trying no, to you're good. I was out on yourself.
0: I should have made it more yes. clear. Um, yeah, he's your fifth round pick. He, he's shown some promise. He's he's had some ups and downs, but he certainly is a, a promising future prospect for this team. They're not letting him go anywhere. I think that Mac is on the cutting room floor, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, and then we can move to the defensive side of the ball now, um, which there was a lot of guys last night who really impressed.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, three guys that were mentioned by Vrabel in the clip we're about to show. Eric Gare, Trey Avery, and Anthony Kendall. I think all three were mentioned last week as well. So they're the young guys battling at the back end of this defensive back um, competition that are really showing out and making this a fun competition. I think that those three guys are certainly doing a lot of things well for themselves, but they played really well last night on the back end. Let's hear from Mike Vrabel on what he had to say about those three guys last night.
2: I think they have. I think that uh, whether it's on defense or special teams, Anthony Kendall showed up as a as a special teams contributor. Um, you know, Trey Avery continues to improve. Um, you know, we have different guys working through there at safety, and you know, between Garar and, and Marsh playing inside and, and outside. You yeah. know, so it's it was it was fun to watch. You know, I mean, we played hard, and I know guys were tired and. But that's what that's what's supposed to happen. And, you know, you don't feel as tired when you win. You don't feel as sore when you win.
0: Yeah, so all three of those guys looked pretty good. Um, and then on the, the defensive front side of things here, as who said this a minute ago? D. Good said a moment ago that Caleb Murphy playing his way onto the 53 man roster. Absolutely. That's the case. And we've been talking in the first couple weeks before the preseason games, JT, like Caleb Murphy. We were pretty amped about him. To begin, you know, the, the offseason and like, where, where is he? The first like two and a half, three weeks of training camp, like, we've not seen him. This guy that set the FBS, I think set the NCAA record or something for the 24. division two. Yeah. Division, division two. Yeah. The two. division two, um, and NCAA, the, the, the yeah, words, the division two record for most sacks in a season with 24 last year, I believe. He's a sack artist wear the sacks. Like we weren't seeing it in practice. And then he chose to like, let's just do it in the actual preseason games, which, okay, sure. Like that works. I guess that's the most important times to do it. So he's certainly done that three sacks now through two preseason games, playing his way under this roster. I think he is clearly uh, on the inside looking out now or wait. Yeah, no, just not looking out just on the inside, looking in, he, he certainly is, is over the bubble line. In my opinion, for this roster, if he continues to play better and better each week and show out in the preseason games. It showed that he's more than just a division two sack artist and can't play with the big boys. Like so far against lesser competition, to be fair out there, like he's, uh, I want to see them give him some more work against NFL starting caliber players, but against the guys he's out there playing against in in these preseason games, he's looking like a a man amongst boys, which is what you want to see from a guy that you want to make your roster. So he's been doing everything in his power to make this roster. And I think it's paying off for him.
1: Yeah, and then we'll move to some odds and ends ends here. First off, kicking battle.
0: Ah, uh, <laughs> ah. Can we ah, Can we please kick the ball, please? Like this is so frustrating. We have a clip from Mike Vrabel here. Um, friend of the show, Paul Karski asked about you know you, you don't get I don't no field goals last night, right? I don't think a single one. Um, you saw. No, no one uh, Trey Wolf from, I think, 22 yards. So, like, again, nothing um, It doesn't count. Not real. Um, you, you just haven't seen it. Like, we've seen three field goals through two preseason games, and that's not enough for two guys that won't miss. Like, th- th- these guys, we need a lot of sample size to make this determination if we're going to do that from the preseason game. And so... Um, terrible take, awful take, pretty lipshits. Our kicker is currently on another team. No, he's not. It's one of these two. You're crazy. People, people that are upset about the kicker competition are just upset because, and I get it, sort of. Like you're not seeing it in the preseason games. Sure, fine, but you gotta trust me, man. I'm there at practice every day. These do these cats can kick. Like these cats are swinging. They, they're gonna, they're gonna be, they're gonna be fine. Whoever you have out there, it's gonna work. Whichever one wins out is going to be a perfectly suitable NFL starting kicker. Like, I promise they are very good at their jobs. You have a good thing going in this kicking competition. So, if you're queasy, if you're nauseous, if you're concerned about the kicking competition, you just got to take my word for it. I know that's hard. I know it's, I know it's scary. And these guys are not known commodities. You don't know their names. They're not known quantities. Just trust me. They're good. We just, it's frustrating for everyone involved, me in particular, because I've, I've been telling you all they're good for a long time now. And I, they, they won't, the team won't let me show you on the pre- preseason field like gotta see it haven't seen it yet and it we're at the point now like we're at the buzzer they're gonna have to make this determination based off of I don't know a coin flip like you like are there's no we thought the preseason games would be a tiebreaker for this this competition and it's proving to not be the case so far and so I'm not quite sure I hope we get a chance JT to talk to the position coach or to the uh, special teams coordinator Craig Ackerman this week because I want to ask him you know what say the preseason games just show you nothing like so far they have. What do you do? How do you make that determination? What goes into it? And I I don't know if I'll get a a decent answer or not, but that's something that I'm really curious about. And uh, we'll find out one way or another here in a couple of uh, days, August 29th, Somebody's not making this roster. And so far I have no idea which one it is elsewhere on the odds and ends here. Um, I, oh, sorry. We got the clip real quick. Let me yes. play the clip from, from Mike Vrabel. Here, are his, his thoughts on not being able to manufacture opportunities for the kicking game in the
2: preseason so far. You know, you can't create the situation. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, whether you want to try to, you know, for example, fourth and two at the 50, it's probably a coin flip. wanted to try to give Stony a plus 50 and that ball needs to be better than the 17 yard line. And Stoney knows that, right? So that's you know, in my mind in that game, you know, looking at whether we go for it or, or whether we punt it, but wanted to try to get Stoney at plus 50 because that was a point of emphasis. And I know that your question was, was about the field goal kickers, but just using that as an example, felt like I could kind of create that one. Um, You know, I think just the consistency, you know, I think that those guys, um, Caleb and Trey uh, of the consistency each and every day. And sometimes like we, not going to be able to get all those kicks, but we're going to be able to evaluate them in practice. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep, you know, seeing where we're at and seeing if we can create those same situations this week, um, and trying to make a decision.
0: Now I had Kyle moving on. I had Kyle Phillips and Kyrus Jackson down here in the odds and ends. We addressed that earlier on. Like I, we don't know the severity of their situation. Folks were asking for updates, um, today, Mike Frabel said he alluded to going to talk with the trainers, work with the trainers after the press conference um, ended this afternoon to kind of figure out. He said both guys are very much early on in their, uh, you know, treatment regimen. And we don't really know exactly what the, he 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 inferred that we don't He he's not concerned yet that either of these guys is for sure missing a significant amount of time. There you go, Easton, spit it out. It doesn't sound like either guy is a real concern so far to be a a massive injury, which makes you think it may be kind of a preseason injury, um, funhouse mirror situation, which would be a good thing for the Titans because they, you know, Traylon Burks, Kyrus Jackson, Kyle Phillips, at least two of those guys are guys that are making the roster, having them down going into preseason week three and then eventually needing receivers to play in week one. Like You you need bodies. You got to get guys to you want to play as much in the preseason, but get them to the season. And that's kind of a uh, proving to be a tricky needle to thread for the Titans at the wide receiver position so far. Speaking of wide receivers, I wanted to touch on Mason Kinsey. I'm not here to make fun of Mason Kinsey. I'm not here to put him down. I'm not here to be a hater. Truly, I'm not. But I wanted to address something that I'm seeing kind of gain some traction yet again online from folks talking about like Mason Kinsey. Is he going to make the roster? you know, he's continuing to impress and, um, provide, you know, opportunities for these quarterbacks in the preseason, be a reliable target, be a, you know, kind of that, that trusted veteran presence out there in these preseason games. And he's producing at a high level. And so far in two preseason games this year, he is, um, four for 37 and four for 40 um, that is four, four receptions for 37 yards and four receptions for 40 yards in his first two games, which leads the team eight receptions for 77 yards so far. And people were talking about, it you know, does he maybe make the roster because he continues to, to show out each and every week. But I, I want you to hold your horses a little bit. I still am very confident that Mason Kinsey only, only has a shot to make this roster. If Kyle Phillips is down and out for a significant amount of time, like if he, God forbid, we find out he has a significant knee injury and he's going to miss at least the first eight weeks of the season or whatever it may be. Then, you know, you put him on IR and maybe, maybe Mason Kinsey has a shot at this roster as Kyle Phillips insurance because he's in that mold of player. And even then, I still think it's a big question mark. And let me tell you why. Where have we seen this before for Mason Kinsey? The 2021 preseason, the first time really that he got traction as like, oh, look at, look at this guy, preseason darling. Maybe he makes the roster. In that 2021 preseason, he had in three games, four receptions for 51 yards, six receptions for 56 yards, and four receptions for 24 yards. He led the team through the entire preseason with 14 receptions for 131 yards. Looked very, very capable and kind of electric in a number of those games week in and week out for just shy of a month and then the 53 man roster came out and the Titans kept seven receivers and those receivers were Julio Jones AJ Brown Josh Reynolds Marcus Johnson Chester Rogers Cam Batson and Nick Westbrook he didn't make the roster then and they kept seven guys after that preseason performance so I just wanted to point out that with Mason Kinsey Preseason performance does not dictate 53 man roster results. That's it's, whether it's fair or not and 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 he's clearly a guy that this team really loves. They love him as a camp body, they love him as a practice squad guy. He's a grinder. He he's a good guy. Like I I he's one of my favorite players to talk to on this team when we're out there cuz he's just a down to earth guy that likes to talk ball. And He's nice and he's approachable. Like I have nothing against the person at all. I just think that there's a hard limit on him. We have seen this hard limit on him um, for like three years now. Like there's a ceiling. And, and with that, I, I think that he is a still very much an uphill battle to even contend to make this roster. I just wanted to I wanted to pump the brakes on him a little bit. But on the other side of the coin, we did see him play some quarterback last night, which was strange. That was weird. That was odd. Hey, Mike Frabel. Why did you like what? What's the rationale behind that move, JT? We have a clip from Mike Vrabel. This is clip one. Uh, w- the most Mike Vrabel has ever smiled in a response to any of my questions. Clearly, a very tongue tongue-in-cheek move that was rewarding a grinder in the preseason, where things again don't really matter. But here was his response as to why Mason Kinsey got some quarterback work last night in Minnesota. Mm,
2: Mason, Mason's out there every day. Mason, Mason's probably during the time that he spent on our practice squad probably runs more than any player that we have on our roster. Definitely. I mean, running receiver, playing DB throughout practice that you guys may or may not see. And uh, I wanted to give him the opportunity. We had practiced it. I mean, when I say practice, like we walked through on Friday. I guess that was the extent of practice. And he was, I was like, you want to do it? And he was like, yeah. I was like, Okay, well, let's do this series and then made a play, and then we put Malik in and converted.
0: Where's he in? Yeah, so good for Mason Kinsey getting an opportunity last night. Like he's earned it, he truly has. And, and Mike is a thousand percent right that he runs more than any other guy. But in terms of making the roster, I, I still don't exactly see that happening. Uh, with that, that is our recap of the game. Um, one more to go. Thank God. We've only got one more preseason game. And then we usually we do winners and losers on a Monday. And I'm also that for today's show. But I was like, I just you know what? We're going to st- we're going di- to week one. We'll get back to winners and losers. Not doing all that. We will focus on um, really diving into a handful of topics when the games actually matter. But what does matter before we end the show is some news we got to get to. So without further ado, let's get to the news with producer JT.
1: Yeah, one of the biggest storylines that came out today is that the Titans Patriots joint practices were canceled for this upcoming week. Of course, that is following um, last night's Patriots versus Green Bay Packers game in which Isaiah Bolden had to be carted off the field and he was um, taken to the hospital near uh, the stadium at Lambeau Field and then the game was there suspended. Um, And then they had an update today about that saying after undergoing a series of evaluations and being held for overnight observation, Patriots quarterback Isaiah Bolden has been released from the Aurora Bay Medical Center in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where he was transported after sustaining an on-field injury in the fourth quarter of the preseason game. So he will travel back um, with the team today on this day that we are recording this. And then due to the circumstances surrounding the abrupt and unexpected ending to last night's game, the Patriots will return to Foxborough and the joint practices that were scheduled on Tuesday and Wednesday will be canceled. So they will practice with uh, just there in Foxborough and fly to Nashville on Thursday for Friday night's game. So just a little note on that, obviously um, good to see that Isaiah Bolden is doing okay. Um, Obviously joint practices like it not, not a huge issue that not a big for deal. this, it's for it's this week. Um, loss. No, but we do have so. a clip
0: from Mike Vrabel. Our last clip today, um, here, here was his explanation and response to the Titans, not getting some joint practice work this week with the Patriots.
2: you with us last night. And, uh, you know, we wish, um, the, the player. Well, we wish Bolden well, obviously that there's a recovery and we understand what, what, uh, can happen in this game unfortunately um and so the patriots are going to focus on them and making sure that they're they're doing what they need to do to to get ready for their season um would have loved to work with them but obviously understand that you know things come up and we're always mm. able to adjust and adapt and we'll we'll practice and we'll get work in and, and we'll see where we are here at the, at the end of the week on friday
1: so yeah, we will not have any joint practice work this week, but we'll still see DeAndre Hopkins on the field, uh, on the other sideline of the team that he did not sign with. So that this will be true. a very interesting Relayed gratification um, there. Bit yes, delayed. exactly. Right. Um, but then in other news uh, today, the Titans waived defensive back AJ Moore, who they just agreed to terms with on July 26th. He mm-hmm. signed with the Titans last March. So this was the second stint that Moore did with the Titans, but he was injured and placed on IR in September. So uh, I guess just didn't work out. Obviously we talked about how, yeah, um,
0: just, oh, well,
1: obviously there was um, better uh, competition that has been standing out in these games. So um, a move that guys like Mike Brown,
0: younger, more, more, uh, certainly healthier players in terms of their track record are going to beat him out anyways. And so I think that just, it makes it clear who's exactly making the roster and it's a win for Mike Brown. So good for him.
1: And then, uh, Jadavian Clowney, who was possibly making a return to the AFC South, uh, will not, and he will be heading, <laughs> not doing the his, AFC South
0: gauntlet anymore. Deck he, is not.
1: he will uh, be taking his talents to Baltimore and joining the Ravens, um, over signing, there,
0: in my opinion, bad signing. Really?
1: Yeah, I think well, so. I, in,
0: it's not to say that he doesn't have any ability anymore. He does, but he's one of those guys that, first of all, they got young guys at that position up there in Baltimore that I think he's going to be a pretty bad mentor to not because he's a bad guy or anything, but in terms of his play style, he's very much sea ball, hit ball, run downhill pass rusher. That is kind of a one trick pony a little bit, certainly not capable of being the one a alpha on a team anymore. And his tendencies are just kind of, it's bad teach tape for these guys. Um, and I, I think that he's going to be taking away valuable reps now from those guys that have a much higher ceiling than he does, but need that that playing experience to reach that ceiling. And so I just overall don't understand the move. Maybe that's a hot take, but I think that he maybe makes their defense a bit worse. If anything, it, it, it sacrifices. you know what it does. It raises their floor a bit at the expense of a significantly higher ceiling. In my opinion.
1: Yeah, well, we will see how that works out when the Titans play the Ravens over in London in uh, Week Six. So we'll be there. Can't wait. We'll be there. So excited to see uh, their Jatavian Clowney revenge game, I guess you could say, or Mm -hmm. one of them, because I'm sure there's been a few since he's been to so many teams. He might (laughs) have four revenge games (laughs) on the
0: schedule this year. Who knows? Yeah.
1: Getting to the preseason roundup from the rest of the AFC South today. Uh, The Colts defeated the Bears twenty-four to seventeen last night. Colts better than the
0: Titans. They beat the Bears. in the preseason the Titans lost that's just math Um,
1: but interesting point here as uh pretty boy Lipschitz brings up um why do you believe the Colts sat Richardson as Anthony Richardson did not play last night well I the my answer to it is that he was named the starter he's getting the starter treatment that's essentially yeah just and, kind I mean of-
0: and, and you could say like well so is Bryce Young so is Trout. They first of all they barely played they played some but like it just depends on the coach and clearly I think Steichen is in that mode like has Brock Purdy played at all this year I don't think so, and yet you could definitely argue he could use some, like, certain players that, you know, San Francisco, the Rams, like, certain coaches just choose to bubble wrap their guys, and they think the preseason doesn't matter, that it's it's way more risk than it is worth, and so that's, I think that's clearly the, you just, you know, not not a complicated answer for you, pretty boy. I just think that they are just, he's the starter. Yes, he needs reps, but he's getting those reps in joint practices and during training camp, like, I think that they think it's not worth throwing him out there and risking having Gardner Minshew
1: come in. Yeah, moving on here. The Texans lose to the Dolphins 28 to 3. Just got an absolute whooping last night. Um Will Anderson, though, Will Anderson Jr. looked really good. Good C. football C. player. Uh CJ Stroud. Uh, I, thought better? Looked, I thought he looked I th- better. I thought he, I thought he looked, looked better. better. He had um, three or
0: four throws. You're like, there it is. That, that's what I scouted. Um still
1: uh still not super impressed with with him last night. It's still um, shaky, but it's yes. it's trending in the right
0: direction, I think
1: for sure. Um but that's really all I have to say. They got they got pounded pretty hard uh last night and then the Jaguars beat the Lions 25 to 7 last night. Nothing really to report on that game besides it is in fact Tank Bigsby season. Um which by the way, before we talk about him and how we were both excited to kind of see him this season, you know his his first name really isn't Tank. It's uh Cartave or er, Cartavius. Cartavius bigsby is his name okay a couple of things first of
0: all if you told like i'm not surprised because anybody named tank i'm kind of assuming that's a nickname you're rolling with like like tank Dell. however i wasn't on my bingo card that Cartavius was the real name and so that raises the obvious question if you have a name like Cartavius, why in the world are you choosing something like tank is still an epic name tank bigsby great running back game name but Cartavius bigsby is an all-time elite name choosing to go away from that that's an l like i'm out i'm out that that raises that's a red flag for me for the for the character of the player frankly from a fantasy perspective i have questions now that's a concern for me
1: and that's going to do it for our news sec- section today <laughs> all right that's jt
0: with the news and that is our show today appreciate everybody tuning in with us live um thanks for uh, a really nice audience today on a sunday appreciate you guys tuning in again one more preseason game and then we get to the real stuff cannot i mean oh my goodness i'm so ready. Um For us to just be, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting very antsy at this point. It is time. I think we're just three weeks away now from regular season play, which is super exciting. Can't wait for September. A couple of things before you guys go, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, follow us um, on YouTube, follow us on social media at hot read pod on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. You'll get great content from us there. Appreciate it. Uh, Pretty boy. Great show in the comments. Thank you, man. Appreciate all that you do supporting our stuff. Um, we've partnered with Zen Sports, by the way. Just we continue to shout this out, but Zen Sportsbook, guys, sign up with our code HOTPOD, HOTPOD with Zen Sportsbook, the newest betting opportunity here in the state of Tennessee. If you're a Tennessee resident and you like to sports bet like we do, and boy, oh boy, I'm starting to this past week, I've just started to dust off my betting acumen, but listening to a lot of betting shows, getting up to date on some off season bets, some full season bets figuring out who I like this season, who I don't, just kind of dusting the chops off, getting ready for the best bet gauntlet to be back in full swing. We'll be doing that with Zen Sportsbook this season. Use code HOTPOD when you sign up with them on their app where you can get wherever you get your applications on your phone. Code HOTPOD, H-O-T-P-O-D. It's going to get you a 5% welcome welcome bonus cash back in your pockets on all of your betting volume. JT, do you have to win those bets to see 5% cash back?
1: No, you do not. No, you
0: do not. Win or lose, you get 5% cash back for the first 15 days as a thank you from Zen Sportsbook. And then after that first 15 days, you get 3% cash back on all your wins and losses of your betting volume just because, just because Zen Sportsbook is awesome. And so make sure to sign up with them and do your betting with them this year to get cash back in your pocket, whether you win or lose. Um, that's it for us. We'll be back live on Tuesday. Uh, we'll be recapping the, I guess we'll be talking about the Titans first practice of the week on Tuesday. Some other things we might discuss some more 53 man roster revelations. Honestly, no idea. Maybe an interview. We'll, we'll see kind of a, kind of a, uh, an open, open book that day. Not sure what we'll be looking at, but we'll certainly be live on Tuesday afternoon, recording our Wednesday morning show until then for producer JTM, your host, Easton freeze. This has been the hot read podcast. Have a great start to your week. We'll talk to you Tuesday.